a devout cowboy. When's the last time I started a sermon like that? A devout cowboy lost his favorite Bible while he was mending fences out on the range. Three weeks later, a cow walked up to him carrying that Bible in its mouth. The cowboy couldn't believe his eyes. He took that precious book from the cow's mouth, raised his eyes heavenward and explained, it's a miracle. Not really, said the cow. Your name's written right inside the cover. A miracle. A miracle is a surprising event, not explained by natural or scientific laws. And it's considered to be a work of divine agency. When the Holy Spirit came to us at Pentecost, a new dimension of the miraculous became possible. And I, for one, I'm grateful. I find myself praying for miracles more often than I used to. How about you? It used to be that those miracle prayers were reserved for the needs of others, mostly having to do with health issues. In our lives today, we deal with significant problems of division in our world and our current culture. It seems as though we need some miracles Some big miracles. A young person approached an old man and said to his ear, Hey, could you lend me $5? The old man said, I'm deaf in that ear. Come around to the other side. Now what was it you said? The young person plucked up their courage and said, Hey, could you lend me $20? The old man said, lend you what? $20? The old man looked incredulous and said, you better go back to that $5 ear. (laughs) I wonder, I wonder if this is how we approach God sometimes. When it comes to God, what is it okay to ask for? What do we come to God with anticipation of? Because some of our, our needs currently are quite large. Can we come to God? Does God care? Will God listen? Will God invest? Even if you really haven't been paying attention much, you have noticed the challenges we face in the world today. The rifts that are popping up in every facet of society. There's a division between rich and poor, between conservative and liberal. We're divided among political affiliations, racial lines, and religious convictions. We're facing these chasms in every part of our lives and in our relationships. It's not just that we are divided in so many ways. We're also very malicious to those who stand on the other side. We act as if we are better because of our beliefs, our our lot in life, or even our sports teams that we root for. Well, there could be a different way. Because it's getting pretty challenging out there, isn't it? Especially as we see this same influence infiltrating the church. When Paul was writing this first letter to Corinth... He was dealing dealing with the division problem. 
It turns out the Corinthians had fallen into this worldly trap of creating a hierarchy where there was no need for one. And some people were setting themselves above others. The young Christians in Corinth had placed a high premium on one of the gifts of the Spirit as if if it was one of the supreme gifts. This perceived hierarchy of gifts created yet another division for the church to face. But Paul was having none of it. The Corinthian church was divided. But friends, the church was never meant to be divided, was it? The church was intended to be like Jesus himself. Continued to work in the world, one body, serving God's kingdom. By the power of the Spirit, the church was created to be, as we've heard many times, God's hands and feet. And for that to work, it takes all members cooperating in harmony. The feet do the walking, the hands do the healing, and the mouths do the teaching. Without any of these parts, the church work is incomplete at best. Which is why every gift used for the common good is a gift of the Spirit. No more and no less important than any other gift. A wonderful reminder that like the gifts of the Spirit, we too are all needed to do the work the church is called to do. It's a part of the theme of the hoist the anchor. All of us working together helps us face the challenges of the church and do the work that we're called to do. For the Corinthians, it was division about what was truly spiritual. In the present day, churches divide over all kinds of things. We could play fill in the blank for hours. Things like who should take communion, whether to baptize infants or just adults, who can be ordained, musical preferences, even what color the carpet should be in worship. Yes, churches fight over and over that. And on and on and on the list could go. The problem is that the church shouldn't be like the culture, especially when culture is divided so. The church, my friends, is intended to be a united front, reflecting God's kingdom of wholeness and unity to the world that's watching. A few weeks ago, we celebrated Pentecost, didn't we? An essential day in the life and history of Christianity and the Christian church. Just as Christmas celebrates the day of Christ's birth and Easter Jesus' resurrection, Pentecost is a day that marks the coming of the Holy Spirit amongst the believers. Before his ascension, Jesus had promised his followers that he would not leave them as orphans, but that he would send a companion to be with them forever. Well, that's precisely what happened on that first Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit has been the companion of believers ever since. Do you know this? Do you trust this? Are we living in this reality? 
When God gave the Holy Spirit to that first gathering of followers, it was God's Spirit given to the individual believers, but intended for the whole church. As recorded in Acts, the story of Pentecost tells us when the day of Pentecost arrived, the believers were all together in one place. Did you hear that? They were all together. And what we can read this morning from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians is that the power of the Holy Spirit is revealed most clearly in how it unites followers of Jesus. Paul's metaphor of the body and its many parts or members is so good. It can be so helpful for us. It's so easy for us to see our in our mind's eye, the picture of a body working in perfect harmony. <coughs> Excuse me. The ears listen to the sounds as the eyes take in the surroundings. The brain processes the information while the hand writes and the mouth speaks, sharing the experience. We can imagine it falling apart as well, can't we? Because without any one of the parts of our body, our whole life experience falls short. It's like the symphony orchestra. There are so many pieces to an orchestra. There are stringed instruments like the violin and cello. Then there are the wind instruments like the oboe and the trombone and the tuba. Then there are per percussion instruments which can include everything from marimba to the snare drum to one of my favorites the timpani. When great composers like Bach or Beethoven composed their symphonies, they did so with all these instruments in mind. The music wouldn't sound right if you only had a tuba or a triangle. You might hear the medley with the violin and trumpet, but you miss out all the wonderful nuances intended by the composer without the contributions of the bassoon and other instruments. Only when the instruments are working together do we hear the wonderful music the composer intended. Good metaphor, huh? And that, says Paul, is how the body of Christ, the church, must work as well. In an orchestra, it is the conductor that directs each of the instrumentalists in their various parts. When it comes to the church, the body of Christ, it's God's spirit that desires to hold us together and to direct our work, leading us to use those gifts for the common good if we would but follow. Historically, the church referred to Pentecost as the birthday of the church because that is the day that the Holy Spirit united all the believers they were gathered together as the church. This was the birth of a new body, the body of Christ. Unfortunately, as we read further in Acts, the Christian unity established at Pentecost quickly began to disintegrate. Paul's letter to the Corinthians addresses this. Of course, Paul was speaking to a specific church at a particular time and place. But this is a lesson we need to hear as well, don't we? If Paul magically stepped into the 21st century, would he say the same thing to our church? Would he say the same thing to the church that he said 
to the Corinthian church, we need to look no further than our own church to see how, as a body, we can sometimes be divided. Paul went straight to the core issue when he wrote to the Corinthians, reminding them that among those who declared faith in Jesus and tend to be followers, no one person is better than the other for any reason. Each person has gifts from the Spirit. Each one receives these spiritual gifts, not just an elite few. We would do well to help identify and then encourage each other to use these special gifts from the Spirit. We all have talents and abilities, but as followers of Jesus, we also have these gifts. Gifts of the Spirit to expend for the good of God's kingdom. As the church, we must remember that all gifts are God-given. No one has done anything to deserve them. Gifts are not merit badges for holiness or signs of additional approval from God. God offers the spiritual gifts in response to the needs of the church and the needs of the greater community. So what this suggests is that each person, each member of the community has value and worth and each person is essential, is an essential part of the church. This church and the church. It strongly suggests that each of us should seek to discover these gifts or recommit to offering them in the life of the church. And because these gifts have a single source, the Holy Spirit, they're meant to unite us and enhance us as they're used for the common good. Where are you expressing your gifts in this community? Because we need you and we need them. Again, without them all, we don't function as God intends. As we continue to focus on and celebrate the Holy Spirit and this preaching series... Let's use this time to grow in our understanding of the Spirit, of God's gifts. Let's welcome them into our lives and remain committed to expressing these gifts in this community and well beyond. Human nature often compels us to follow the ways of the world, the ways the Corinthian church fell into temptation. It happens by our willingness to hold grudges against fellow brothers and sisters because they don't believe exactly as we believe, which, of course, is the only proper way to believe, right? But the inevitable results of such thinking is division, sometimes nasty, terrible division. This Sunday, remembering the gift of Pentecost, we should celebrate the variety of gifts of the Spirit working among each of us. We should help each other discover their gifts and validate them when we see them expressed. We should look joyfully at our amazing brothers and sisters with us today and celebrate that we get to be in community one with the other. We should celebrate the different ways God creates each of us and thus connects with God. We should give thanks for the numerous gifts by which we can serve God and each other. And above all, we should give praise to the Spirit. 
which even with all of our differences, promises to hold us together if we would invite that work amongst us. As many of you know, when someone joins this church and becomes an actual member, all the other members stand with them and recite what we call the Salem Covenant. Remember those words? We covenant with the Lord and one with another and do bind ourselves in the presence of God to walk together in all God's ways according as God is pleased to reveal God's self unto us in God's blessed word of truth. This promise that we say throughout the year is meant to remind us that we are not on this journey alone. We were never meant to be. We do this life together with folks to whom and with whom we promise to walk with. Who promises to help us experience the fullness of life that God intends. That fullness represents all we can experience personally and all we can offer to each other. These spiritual gifts are the tools God has chosen to use to do this good work in us and through us and to unite us with as we do this kingdom work as a witness to the world around us. All working together, we truly become what God desires for this church and ultimately the church, which is to be a loving gracious, intentional presence in the world. So let's hear the Apostle Paul's words one more time as we seek the unity God desires for us as a church. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of powerful deeds. To another, prophecy. To another, the discernment of spirits. To another, variety, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same Spirit, who allots to each one individually, just as the Spirit chooses. For just as the body is one and has many members... And all the members of the body through many are one body. So it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews and Greeks, slaves are free. And we were all made to drink of one spirit. Drinking from that one spirit. Mark 12, 30 and 31 reminds us of God's call upon this church and upon each of us as we seek to follow Jesus. You remember these words. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, 
with all your mind and with all your strength. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There are no greater commandments than these. Friends, do we understand that love is a lifestyle that we must cultivate? Love is an action. It's a choice to love people and to show them mercy. Oftentimes it's tough. We want to judge and condemn and look down on people. We've been hurt and rolled over by life and so we make excuses. And so our natural reaction is to reject, to judge, condemn, and think badly of others. But church, friends, we can welcome these gifts amongst us. We can then let the power of God's spirit empower us to live faithfully. Let's remember together that love is the authentic lifestyle of a Jesus follower. It's what it's all about. So let's together discover and use our spiritual gifts each day. But making sure every interaction that we have with others has a generous helping of love mixed in. Because then together, we're being the church. We're doing the work of the church. We're sharing God's love to a world that desperately needs it. It'll take a miracle. Then again, the God we serve is in the miracle business. Amen? Amen. Amen. God, we are grateful for your word for us today. For your promise that you will infuse the church with all that we need to be faithful. So God, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, open minds to receive. And an open spirit to receive all that you intend. That we might then be empowered to be your church. Your hands and feet in this world. We pray this in your name.